What is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm gonna go out and buy a house. <laughs> here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Yes, she is here, your host of the Red Hot Real Estate Show from Remax Results. Hello, Miss Shoneman. I hear you on the line. How's it going today? Good morning. Hello. And with us in studio, looking dapper as always, Mr. Phil Olson from Cross Country Mornings. You know what, uh, Mimi, just to let you know, normally he is very bright and vivacious in his uh, choices of clothing. He has on a very, very, uh, a very handsome, like, dad sweater today. I like this dad sweater you got swab, going on. Swab and debonair, right? Exactly. Swab and debonair. Uh, Phil, can you give everybody your NMLS numbers, please? NMLS 238103. Company NMLS 3029. Oh, you two are going to share. I have a question. Oh, sure. What would happen if you if you spouted those off and they were wrong? Oh, I'd probably be shot. <laughs> <laughs> he just rattles them off, man. Nobody ever checks. <laughs> well, Believe me, if you go to the Department of Commerce, you can research me. Yeah, I never <laughs> fact check any numbers that Phil Olson gives me. I'm just presuming that go. they are correct. And that is what I suggest for everybody out there. And you two are going to help um, a lot of our my talkers today because we're going to do more information about anyone who is trying to buy or sell a home in the midst of a divorce or so separation or separation. So or, all it of could, that stuff. or it could be even a breakup of oh. a boyfriend, girlfriend situation. I think it's really good to give that information to someone who has been divorced just because when we've talked about this before on the mom show, even um, that it's difficult to find the right support system as you're going through a breakup. Like there's more like statistically there's more information out there and better supports if you have a spouse or a loved one pass away than if you are dissolving a relationship whether it's for a good reason or a bad reason i hate to give you this statistic because i I pulled some new statistics here this week oh what do you got phil i found this really i found it to be wild Mm -hmm. most divorces end up in most marriages end up in divorce 39 percent of the time wow i that number seems high, but it's better than I thought. I thought you were going to say like 50. And so I'm glad that it's 39. And maybe it'll be a trend that we're making wiser choices with yep. our couplings. <laughs> and exactly. And we work it as we go forward. Go forward. But I mean, I think that it is just a reality that a lot of us are dealing with. And there's transitions, just like any other um, component of your life. You go through a relationship transition. But it is much more difficult when you're dealing with finances and houses and property and all of these things make it just so much more complex, right? It it becomes so complicated because Mm -hmm. there's so many things when people get married, they don't think of this potentially happening to their relationship. Of course not. And, And then when it does start to fall apart, I really think that finances and house are put kind of like on the back burner when in real reality, if you're going to go through that, I think it really needs to come to the forefront right. because that is where uh, 90% or 80% of Americans have their net worth right. is in the equity of that specific home. Mm-hmm. And who's going to get what and who can do what? And then to find out that maybe neither one could do anything. Right. And I think, Mimi, we've talked about this before that. So much of your identity and so much emotion is involved with your home. We see a lot of people that are wrapped up in 
that the pride of home ownership, right. um, the memories of what's happened in the home, um, and make really bad decisions financially just because of those two things. They just can't separate it because they're too too much in angst because of all the emotional turmoil that's going on in the relationship. And so here today we're hoping, Phil and I can shed some light on um, tips for people, things to know about divorce and, and home buying and home selling. And uh, we also welcome all of our listeners to give us a call and ask questions or share stories about if they have had um, a divorce themselves. Phil? Right. You know, one of the things that I see you know, that's that's really disheartening, to be honest with you, is what I see a relationship that's that's gone bad, and now they make it a tit for tat. Right. I'm going to get you. Yes. And once that happens, I think they're really not thinking clearly. It's all about, I need to get you, right. and I'm going to do whatever I can to get you. Yes. And then, and then, because it's such a bad situation, they sign... They just sign. Yes. Because they just want to get it over with. They want to get get it over with. with. But then the problem is, is what they signed, there was no real clear thought as to what is feasible, what can we do, and oh, how about... How about Miss Shannon and I are married? What's best for Miss Shannon? Right. What's best for me? How can you move forward? Mm-hmm. How can I move forward to where we can start our lives over again? But what ends up happening is due to the fact that it's a tit for tat. Right. It's it's I feel good now because yes. I got you. Yes. So, I mean, I think we go for that short-term emotional win versus that long-term strategy. Because it's very difficult to make your best life choices when you're so angry or hurt or yep. um, uh, you you feel that you've been slighted. And so hopefully this information that you have today, Phil, and that Mimi has today will help people make wise decisions, just give them a reality of how you can use this so that you are able to move forward as positively as possible. So yep. this isn't something I- that's holding you back. You know, I would just like to say that um, as we cover the rest of the, the content for the show today, that before you sign the final divorce decree, have a consultation with myself and Phil. Let's talk about what you've got already included, and, uh, and let's see if that's going to help you put another set of eyes on what you've got written. Maybe we will spot something with regard to the mortgage or the debt restructure or uh, even the alimony or, or maintenance, maybe we could help you figure out how to use that for your next purchase, Phil. I would also say, don't just think about a divorce. How about a legal separation? Right. A legal separation is a legally binding document. And we as mortgage lenders will use that to help a consumer either get qualified or they could become unqualified right and the key being is you can draft up whatever you want to draft up but once you file it at mm-hmm. the county and it gets recorded now there's nothing that can be changed unless we do what's called an amendment okay and if you're going to do an amendment of course i'm not involved with that right that means you're getting the courts and you're getting your lawyers back involved in it and they're just making more money so i think the point that mimi makes of you coming to us as a third party, another set of eyes. Right. We can then look at these bullet bulleted items throughout the divorce 
And we'd, we're only going to really pay attention to the financial aspects, right. to the equity pe- aspects. If it has to do with how many days you get your kids on a weekend or whatever, that's, that's, not, that, your role. that's not our mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. But we can then at least put some numbers to which the numbers you've put on a legal binding document. And like I said, you could draft up the legal binding document. Just don't file it. Right. Because once it's filed... Now we, then we can't do anything. Now we have to use that mm-hmm. in our mortgage underwriting decision. Or guess what? It's not just mortgage. It's title. Right. You have to have what's called a chain of title and you have to have what's called clear title. So an example would be you're asking a wife to refinance a house. Right. But she's not on title. Well, guess what? That's fixable. Mm-hmm. You have to do what's called a quick claim deed. Right. And you quick claim that person onto title. Mm -hmm. But that's not something that happens in two seconds. Right. And right now, I've got a situation that I'm working on with a client, and we're working with the county to get a document recorded, and it's taken five days so far. Right. And guess what? All your county people are working from home. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're about to go into a holiday. Yeah, holiday. And right. now we've got we got more states shutting down. Right. Okay. So we've got COVID-19 coming back. Mm-hmm. So that conversation that you have with Mimi or myself could save you time. Right. Money. How about giving you a peace of mind? Exactly. So if you have any questions. Well, you know, at the end of the day, um, we're not lawyers. Right. Neither Phil nor I have a law degree that I know about. And we don't practice law. We just do real estate and mortgage the same way that your attorney may or may not practice real estate or mortgage. It's, it's having all people that could give you benefit taking a look at the same thing and working as a team to make sure that you are achieving whatever goals it is that you say that you, you wish to have. Right. Well, we encourage you to be part of the show. You can call us at 651-641-1071. And I want to remind everybody, for every call that we get, not only will you get some great information from Phil and Mimi, Phil has also generously agreed to donate $25 to the American Cancer Association for every caller to the sh- on the show through the end of this year, right, And Phil? that number is getting pretty big. Yeah, and we I'm not going to share it. doing that. I'm not going to share it until the, ver- the very last show of December. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mimi and I, we're going to put together a nice big check for the American Cancer Society. Well, thank you for doing that. That works out to benefit the American Cancer Society and also can work out for all of our callers. Again, that number is 651-641-1071. When we get back, Phil, what are we going to cover next? I think we'll get into a few new statistics of the market. Mm -hmm. Uh, One more statistic on divorce, and then we're going to kind of, Mimi and I are going to launch into these other bulleted items that we never got to talk about last week concerning what are the things you need to think about prior to getting that divorce recorded at the county. All that information coming to you here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show when we return. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Ms. Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group and Remax Results and Mr. Phil Olson from Cross Country Mortgage. So, Phil, clearly if you are going through a divorce, um, that could present some opportunities or problems with credit, correct? Absolutely, there could. A, a good example of that would be uh, one spouse has a 620 score or a 580 score, which is very, very subpar, uh, below the average. And believe it or not, the average credit score in the United States right now is a 739. Um, whereas 
So you've got two parties. One's got a 620. The other one's got a 780. Well, guess where? Who's Who should be financing that home? The one with the higher rent. With the 780. Mm-hmm, right. Because that's going to get the lowest rate, and it's going to get you more programs. Right. All right? But you see, that divorce was filed, mm-hmm. and it said so-and-so has to do the refinance. Right. Well, do you think the lawyer looked into that? No. no. They just they just went, well, no, you keep the house. Right. All right? That That's where the problem comes. And you see so many statistics, like when I'm looking at that, of why people decide to keep the house. It's not always because of a financially sound reason. Sure. A lot of times it's over an emotion or a, a desire to want to be able to do it, but not really the feasibility. Well, uh, how about another scenario? My, my ex-husband had a self-employed business. He's the breadwinner. He's making $150,000 a year. But guess what? He filed for bankruptcy a year ago. Right. Still has a good credit score. Mm-hmm. But hold one here. He filed a bankruptcy a year ago. So we can't do anything until that's... Until you meet the criteria, the waiting period of that specific bankruptcy. So when you're you're looking at that as a credit-wise situation, you've got to ask yourself the question, who has the best ability to either buy me out or to keep that home? Right. So... There's lots of things that people need to think about with regard to credit. Phil, just getting a divorce alone, will that drop your credit from a mortgage perspective? No, but I've seen it where people get separated and they get divorced. And in the divorce decree, it says you're responsible for this and I'm responsible for that. And the person that's responsible for this doesn't make the payment. Gotcha. And next thing you know, both persons credit is down in the dumpster. And we're talking about things like joint credit cards, joint you know bills, anything that reports to a credit agency. How about a mortgage? Right. You're both on the mortgage. I'm going to move out of the house. I'm going to go buy my own home. I can qualify for both homes, but because the one spouse didn't buy you out of that mortgage, meaning they should refinance you off of that mortgage, be credit qualified, income qualified, and be the sole owner for that home because they lose their job six months from now and now they don't make their payment on that mortgage and you're on it. Well, guess what? Now your credit score is being affected. And I'm sure it happens between that and cars and all kinds of things when you're dissolving these relationships. And and that's Mm -hmm. why, that's why you want a clean separation be it at the separation piece or the divorce piece before you decide to move forward. Don't move forward and have him be responsible or her responsible for a lot of things that you're responsible for. Right. Because even though the divorce decree says he's responsible for that, sorry, there's a note. Mm -hmm. You signed, he signed, your joint applicants on that account. And because he's not making that payment, you can't come back to the creditor and say, well, that was per- his job. it was his job. Now, guess what? There's a possibility because the divorce decree says he's responsible for that, that we don't have to hold that liability against your debt to income ratios. Right. But when he doesn't make the payment, it's going to affect the credit score. Right. And you know, you cannot call the creditor. You can try. Mm-hmm. And say, and but you, we uh, said. But, but guess what? The creditor is going to say 99% of the time. You were a joint applicant on that account. You have a legal fiduciary responsibility to make sure that that debt is paid. Right. Mimi? And let's just make sure everybody understands that a quick claim deed does not take care of this. Right. And that seems to be 
when I have questions about this very subject, that seems to be the thing that people are the most confused about it. Well, I'll just go down to the courthouse and record a quick claim deed, and that'll take care of it. No, it doesn't. Still? Uh, Mimi, I want you to expound on that a little bit more. Tell clients what, a lot. tell them what a quick claim deed is and what is it really used for? Well, it's used to remove people's names off of, of title, but it doesn't remove people's names off of the mortgage and the note. And that's the thing. It's like, oh, okay, well, now you're not on title, but you still have, you're still on the hook to make the payment. And I think that that is the biggest thing that people are confused about. And I don't know why. I don't know why that seems to be a common confusion. Phil? I'm, I'm going to help clarify things. Your quick claim deed really allows people to do something that they couldn't do before. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't remove the obligation. Okay. Now, the mortgage is says you owe ABC Mortgage Company $780 a month for the next 30 years. Right. That's the mortgage. What's the note? The note is the instrument that says who's responsible for this house, this mortgage payment, and that's where it will say, Mr. and Mrs. Olson own this house. Okay. You owe $280,000, and your last payment will be in January of 2041. Your name is on the note. As long as it remains on the note, and the only way off the note is to refinance or sell the home to remove that party off the note. Right. It's the note that is the instrument that says who is the obligator to this mortgage. But you can't retroactively change it is what you're saying is that unless you go back to because why do I I guess I don't understand why we fall into this trap all the time. Like, where are we getting the advice that all we need to do is do a quick claim deed and everything's taken care of? Well, that's that comes from, you know, Joe, the neighbor Mm -hmm. or, you know, you Googled something and, you know, you're not a lawyer. So it all gets very confusing, especially when you're in duress. Or the title company says you can't buy this without being quick claimed on okay, or off. Okay. All right. Just because you're quick claimed off, does it means you're no longer responsible. But hold, hold one here. That does not supersede the divorce. Okay. Or excuse me, the note. The note. Okay. But guess what? It could be superseded by the divorce decree. Okay. But that doesn't mean the creditor is not going to ding your credit okay. for that other party not making the payment. So, so go ahead, Mimi. So to move on, uh, you know, we're gonna, to move on so that we can cover some more things, let's talk about some of the problems that you see, Phil, with income ratio issues when people are trying to buy during a divorce, uh, prior to it being final, that sort of thing. The biggest issue I see with income is people say, well, I make $60,000 a year. Right. Okay. How are you paid that 60000 Well, I'm paid bonus. Okay. And I'm paid commission. Well, how long have you been in the job? I've been in the job for one year. Well, hold one here. Unless you can show a two-year history right. of that 60000 and you can't show a two-year history of that 60000 Guess how much income we give them? Zero. All right. All right. 
So it's not just I make money. Mm-hmm. It's how do you make it? And then it goes and back. how long have you been making Correct, it? because mm-hmm. it all goes back to the following. Stability of income. Right. Showing a two-year history of stability of income. Like, Phil, you just helped me go through that journey when we went through this in May. So, yeah, I am familiar. So we're going to give some people some more advice on that. Tell you some more advice. If you are going through a separation, a divorce, or any other of those type of relationship transitions, we're going to give you some advice so you can also become a homeowner when we return. Courtesy of Mimi Shoneman and Phil Olson here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Ms. Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group. Mr. Phil Olson from Cross Country Mortgage. Remember, you can call in with your questions. The number is 651-641-1071. And reminding you that uh, Phil has generously agreed to give $25 on your behalf to the American Cancer Society through the end of 2020. So it's a great time to call in. And these questions don't don't just have to be about what we're talking about here today. It could Mm -hmm. be anything real estate or mortgage related. Right. So a a couple of tips that I just want to throw in um, about when you're purchasing during a divorce is that you want to allow a lot of extra time for court delays, especially now with COVID, but even before COVID. Um, Also, when you're purchasing, there are going to be affidavits at closing that will ask you to state that you are not party to a lawsuit or Mm -hmm. are not in the middle of a divorce proceeding. So you don't want to uh, accidentally commit loan fraud, right, Phil? Correct. And so, Phil, let's talk a little bit about the vacating spouses. Um, They can buy a home even if the old loan is in their name, correct? Correct. And And if the old loan is still in their name, then they would end up having to qualify with both properties. Correct. And the divorce decree needs to be signed into order before that happens? Not necessarily. In the last show, we talked about that quasi-separation agreement. And that's where you can bring that quasi-separation agreement into play. As long as both parties are amicable and willing to work together, basically you take the verbiage out of the divorce decree and put it into a quasi-separation agreement that's signed by both parties, witnessed, witnessed by two other people, and then have it notarized. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the pre-approval letter. Um, When you issue a pre-approval letter for divorcing folks, that should also state that the financing is contingent upon the divorce being final. Is that true? Depends. Depends. If if you're using the quasi-separation agreement, if they're willing to work that up, then we don't need to put that verbiage into the pre-approval letter. Otherwise, the, the thing people need to understand is if you're in the midst of a, a long, drawn-out court case, be it divorce, there's already been documents filed with the county, and at that point in time, we have to wait until the divorce decree is literally completed before we could actually close the loan. So sometimes it's better to not have it finalized if somebody is considering refinancing or purchasing. Correct. And what would some instances of that be in your that you've seen this year well i mean this year alone i i just i just closed a loan not but last week my client was buying a home was was in the midst of a divorce it wasn't finalized husband and wife still like each other they took out they took all the information from that specific divorce decree placed it into the quasi separation agreement 
And at that point in time, the client could qualify with both properties. So that was able, we were able to close that deal after we got that document recorded. So let's talk about earnest money. Earnest money, of course, uh, is money that is pledged up front. That's considered a part of the down payment. Typically a good solid amount would be considered 1% of the sales price. So when folks are divorcing, should that money come from a joint account or in an uh, individual account? Well, it could come from a joint account as long as the divorce decree or the separation agreement state that both parties have access to it. But the one thing that people need to understand, and, and this is for strictly conventional loans, once you get divorced and you're buying a house and you think your ex-spouse is going to gift you money, gifts are not allowed from an ex-spouse to help you buy a home. Oh, okay. And a lot of people don't know that. Now, on an FHA loan, be it a government loan, you can receive gifted from funds from an ex-spouse. But on a conventional loan, if he's going to give you $30,000 for your down payment, he can't give it to you. Interesting. All right. I have questions on that, but I do want to make sure we go to the phone. We encourage people to be part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show at 651-641-1071. So we'll start with Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you for calling the show. Do you have a question about titles for Phil and Mimi? I do. Hi. So I had called uh, before about something similar to this. But So my boyfriend and I broke up. Uh, he's on the mortgage. I'm only on the title. Next spring, hopefully, I'll be back to work. Um, and so then I want to buy my own place. So I know you mentioned before about just having me taken off the title, so the quick deed thing. But then how can I – what kind of – is there a form I should get so I make sure in case he's not employed – at that point, so I can't get my, let's just say, $10,000 back out from my original investment. Is there something I can have drawn up so I make sure that I do get that money? Great After, question. Once he takes me off the title, I feel like, well, there's my hold on the place. Okay. So, one, you're not obligated on the mortgage. Two, yes, you can be quick claimed off title. And now I'm going to tell you number three. Number three is you should file, it is a mechanics lien against the home for the equity that's owed to you. And you would end up going into a secondary position. So that way, if he ever did sell the home and decided not to pay you, you would be in a secondary lien against the property. Now, before you do that, that might be a discussion that you have with this third party and say, hey, I'd like you to buy me out. I'd like you to refinance. Pay me the money I owe. Otherwise, I'm going to have to secure my interest against the property with a mechanic's lien. Okay. And Jennifer, which of the two of you has the better credit score? Um, I don't know about his. I have excellent credit. So um, I think he probably has fairly good credit, too. Um, and we are and friendly. Everything's good that way, at least. But um, as far as I know, we both have very good credit. And do you want to keep the house or does he? No, I do not want it. And he wants to? Yep. Yep. Well, it might be a great opportunity for him to talk with Phil to uh, look into refinancing. And then but he's that not might. employed right now. And so, oh, okay. I so that you part. need to be employed, correct? Because he. Correct. Yeah, his... yep. yeah. Is he unemployed due to COVID? Okay, so once he gets back, and as long as it's not a super long period of time, dependent on the type of job and career he has and how he's paid, he might be able to qualify as soon as he gets back after he's had 
two consecutive paycheck stubs. Oh, okay. That's that's very helpful to know. Okay. I'll pass that along to him as well. But great question, ma'am. Great. Thank you. Jennifer, we'll keep Thank in touch. You, we appreciate that. Thanks, Jennifer. Yeah. Bye-bye. Anyone else so listening can also be part of the of show. Things. Yeah, so there was lots of information to cover in there, so that's why we always encourage people to be part of the show. I'll give the number again. It's 651-641-1071. I haven't talked about mechanics liens. I don't think in all the time span that I've been on here, and I'm going, okay, this would be a great spot for that mechanics lien because that would secure her interest against the mortgage. Because I think we've talked about it that it exists, and usually it would be a contractor or someone that maybe did some work on your home, and then that pops up if you were buying it, say from somebody else and they forgot about it correct how do you how do how does a a a potential uh client like jennifer set that up though uh well i'm not a lawyer okay and mimi said the same thing Mm -hmm. i would i would recommend you call me or mimi yep we've got a very broad network of people around us that we can partner you with to find out exactly and you'd probably want to talk to what's called a real estate lawyer Mm -hmm. would be the person to talk to as to how to structure that document. And I would assume something like that, pretty simple, probably less than, I'm just going to throw a number out, less than $500. Mm-hmm. But if somebody owes you ten grand, i am willing to spend fi- I'm willing to yeah. spend 500 to get my ten grand. Right. You know? And you could, also put, you could also put interest on that, which would then, then would incentivize that third party to buy me out sooner. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'll just let that interest accumulate. Right. But but if they let the house go into foreclosure and they lose everything, guess what? The first mortgage company gets nothing. The second mortgage company gets nothing. Right. And a mechanics lien, basically, you become the second mortgage ah, against enough. the home. Okay. So you still want them to do well enough that you get your money back. Yes. It's in your best interest for them yes. to do well. Yeah. Well, right. guess what? We've talked about the tit for tat. Exactly. It's in everybody's best interest for everyone to do well, if you were looking at it from a financial standpoint, usually. Uh, yes. Unfortunately, too people many people don't, do don't they don't do that right. though that's the problem mm-hmm. you know well this makes me think of of something else that i i once knew about written or verbal side agreements about the property that are not actually officially a part of the divorce decree so you want to be really careful about that if if you get some somebody that's amenable first but yet turns uh, turns around and becomes not so uh, agreeable, those are not enforceable if they change their mind, and you could become out of luck. So you want to get everything drafted legally so that you're not having little things that pop up that you were expecting that can't be enforced. Right. You know, so? they've moved on into another relationship, and they don't want to worry about you, maybe. Who knows? Correct. Mm-hmm. And that's why in our business, uh, 99% of things have to appear on what's called the closing disclosure. Okay. There's really not supposed to be side agreements on the side. Okay. Phil, there's something called a quadro, a qualified domestic relations order um, that allows transferring of qualified plans from one spouse to another per the court order and allows the 10% penalty to be waived. Um, if this is a down payment source, you might want to think about delaying writing an offer until it's processed and the money's in hand. What do you see in your work with regard to Quadro and how that affects people? I would be the first one to tell you I do not have a lot of experience in that. 
And if that were to be thrust upon me, I would be talking to one of my friends who's a very good real estate lawyer so I could Fair understand enough. that. And then, of course, I would talk to my underwriting department then to determine and maybe even bring title in to determine what needs to be done in order to bring those funds into play. I think it's good that you're asking those questions up front because a lot of times when you said there's things that you have to uh, disclose and work out ahead of time. There is a schedule for all of these things. So you can't just go, well, we're going to have a closing date of X, Y, and Z day and then not have some of these things talked through because then if they pop up at the last minute, you got to move your closing date, right? Anytime people thrust something at me that I cannot answer 100%, I put into the notes, mm -hmm. I ask lots of questions. And then I tell my client that, let me research this. Okay. All right. And that could be title. That could be chain of title. That could be a legal uh, precedent that we're being presented with that we have to oblige by. That's where I'm going to bring my underwriting manager in, my ops manager into play at CCM. Mm -hmm. And then I'm, I might also partner with some other parties to get further understanding. Well, Phil, I think now would be a great time for you to uh, tell everybody uh, your purchase of the quarter story. Ah, purchase of the quarter. It's a good one. Client is buying a second home in northern Wisconsin, was quoted a rate of three and a quarter percent as a second home, and it was a three season home. Okay. Well, three season homes are not easy to finance, but I have lending institutions that'll do that. But guess what? Through my conversation with my client, I found out that their primary residence of $600,000 value was free and clear. Okay. And they're wanting to buy a second home in northern Wisconsin for 200000 Guess what? In the end, we didn't do a purchase. We did. Hey. I did a refinance, did a cash out, pulled the $200,000 out of the primary residence. Okay. Their interest rate was 2.625%. So their interest rate went down. And oh, by the way, Mimi, they were a cash offer. What do you think happened when they made their offer as a cash offer up against three other offers that were financed? Wow. Well, that's what you call clicking your heels all the way to the closing table. You are so happy to get a cash offer. First of all, if you get a cash offer, you don't have to have an appraisal. That's beautiful. And you can go straight to the closing table after whatever uh, inspection contingencies and things like that that might have to happen. Cash is almost always king. Well, Mimi and Phil, when we get back, we do have some more people on the line who have some questions for you. We'll also give you some more information. If you're going through a divorce or a separation, today is your day to be part of the show. 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on MyTalk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. Also want to remind you that you can get this episode and previous episodes by going to our website. Just look for the podcast. So if we cover something kind of quick and you want to pass it on or listen to it again, the podcast is available. Just go MyTalk1071.com. Use the keyword Red Hot. So Phil and Mimi, I want to make sure we go to the phones. We've had some very patient listeners. So we'll start with Angel. Angel, thank you for calling. You have a question to Phil and Mimi about a legal separation? Yes. Go right ahead, Angel. Hi. I wanted to ask, and this has to do with your real estate questions. Um, what do I have? What do I have to do to get a legal separation? I mean, step by step. Do I need to hire an attorney? Great question. Um, you're able, believe it or not, if you Google. Minnesota separation agreement on Google, you'll be proposed with lots of different templates. 
if you have what would be, I would consider a simple separation, no children, no property, uh, you guys rent, you should be able to draft something like that up together, depending on the amount of assets you have. Now, right. of course, depending on if you're, as your assets increase, your liabilities increase, your children increase, then it becomes a little bit more complicated. But I, I have seen many a clients that have been able to work together and draft up. It is a Minnesota separation agreement, and yes, that can be filed with the county. And Phil, that seems to be the question too. Like Angela, it depends on how amicable and how par- how you and your partner are, and how complicated it is. Right, well, Angel. I just would like to say that I personally think that a family law attorney is very important uh, in doing all of this planning. Um, I, I think that you should look at both. Getting a, a family law attorney as well, and, and weigh your weigh your choices. And I'm in agreement with that. And a lot of Angel, just to let you know, a lot of the attorneys you can you can go out there and do your due diligence, and they have free consultations, so you can ask your questions and get that peace of mind that it seems like you're looking for. Okay, that's what I was going to ask because we are not amicable whatsoever. Oh, Angel boy. White, I know that producer Sonny probably has your information. We have some suggestions too on some uh, legal counsel that work with yes. us here. So we'll be happy to pass some information along. Will that be helpful? Very. Definitely. So we'll make sure we give you that information and that, that all the things that we'll pass along, they'll be able to get you started on that because we're all, uh, we, uh, it's unfortunate you're going through that situation. And Angel, Mimi, and I would be glad to help you as well. I am very appreciative, and I just want you to know I listen to you every day religiously. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Angel. We'll get back to you with that information. Thank you so much. You're welcome. That is unfortunate. I know how hard it is when we're going through a a situation. You're like, I just want to get this done. Uh, And it, it, it helps when you're amicable. You know, but it does not happen all the time. Well, the mm-hmm. good thing is, is they're able, we're allowed to give them be another set of eyes for them. Exactly. Okay, next, let's go to the phones for Chris. Chris, we appreciate you calling. It's a different question here uh, regarding unemployment. Hello. Hi, Hello, Chris. Chris. Hi, Chris. Mm-hmm. Hi, and I'm going to say right now, I apologize. I jumped into the show late, so I don't know if this has already come up in conversation, but um, I have a... 20-something daughter who two years ago qualified um, for a mortgage. As, I'm not sure which program it was, to be honest. But, you know, two years ago she was putting in offers, getting, you know, cash offers, beating her out, that kind of thing. So she's got excellent credit, had the income, all that good stuff, big savings. She's very responsible. However, <laughs> she's trying to do the same thing again post having been laid off for three months and received unemployment and now she's being told she doesn't qualify anymore is if she's receiving unemployment wages right now in a COVID environment unemployment wages cannot be used for qualifying purposes but if she's only been unemployed for a period of it is three months if she's able Mm -hmm. to get back to work in basically the same capacity same occupation or even a better occupation, but it's related to her past experience, then she could qualify by having a new full-time job, depending on how she's paid. Yikes. I think that's the problem. And she was told, and I don't know, you know, she's a server. She works as a server. So as Mm -hmm. you can imagine, 
she's been back to work, but yeah. now she's off again. And you know their income isn't the same as it was pre-COVID. Right. Well, with those so types of situations, mm-hmm. after a client's been back on the job for about 60 days as a server, we're able to take an average of what they're making then, but that's the income we have to use to qualify. And if they were making, just for an example, making $80,000 <laughs> last year, but now they're only making $40,000 based on a new COVID uh, environment, you have to be qualified based on the 40000 Wow. And yeah. obviously what you've saved, what you have for down payment, that's, I, and I get it, it's all risk and it's all, they don't want people defaulting because they don't have right. the money. Yeah, Minnesota law says we have to qualify you on the most conservative income in order to qualify you for a home loan. Yeah, it is what it is, right? I, I hope it's, I hope things work out and things get better for her. Yeah, for sure. And you know, Chris, I would also say um, it wouldn't be a bad idea for her to get a second opinion with Phil. Right. Um, for financing and have him take a look and maybe he has a program or can think of something different because he, he does have a world of experience here. And, you know, I a agree. lot of those background things that could maybe help Chris's daughter. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I, I just pulled a, a loan out of the fire that was with another lender. It got denied. I went back, talked to the consumer, found out they were saying they were trying to say she didn't she didn't have the experience. Okay. Well, guess what I did? I went back to the college she graduated from, got her college degree, and then got her transcripts of five years being in school showing that she had that experience in that specific field. Right. And oh, by the way, she did. It is another six months after graduating in kind of what's called a postgraduate program. program. Mm -hmm. She wasn't being paid, but she worked. Right. And I used that to go back to the underwriter with, and I said, yes, my client does have the experience, and here it is. But in our business, it's all about the paperwork. Right. And it's all about not, not just telling a story, but proving the story. Right. Chris, I would suggest that you have her work with someone like Phil, because like I'll tell you from, you know, from experience, I had to come up with like a two-year plan <laughs> to get through this whole thing and to just figure it all out. And he was instrumental in having me come up with a plan so that I could continue to execute it, especially since I'm an independent contractor, kind of like your daughter. So mm-hmm. it is good to have that, okay, I'll put this piece in, and then this is how I prove this piece, and here's how I justify that piece, and it's just working ahead on some of those things. Yeah, she's, you know, people, that's too bad. I will totally tell her. I hope she does it. People get frustrated, throw right. their hands up, and quit. Right. And you and you don't have to. It helps if you know that you're working towards something and that you have that, that, that goal and that finish line in place. Perfect. I will give her your info because, Phil, you're awesome. You send emails. I'm on your list already. Ah. And you're you're extremely um, very up-to-date and keep touch with everybody. It's awesome. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, believe it or not, I love what I do, and I love helping my my talkers out there. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're Thanks welcome. for calling, Chris. We appreciate yep. it. Have a good one, guys. Thanks. Well, we have a couple minutes before we wrap up, so I want to make sure that we get those closing remarks in, Mimi. So what do you want to wrap up with today? Uh, well, I just want everybody to, to that's listening that knows somebody that's going through a divorce or um, may be going through it themselves that you're not alone, and it doesn't have to just be you and the attorney. Um, it can be all of us together working towards a, a common goal. Um, so we, we encourage you to reach out to us before 
you actually uh, get all the final documents finished with the attorney so that we can at least give you our opinion that you might want to be able to insert in there, Phil. Well, it was a great show. People mm-hmm. can reach me at... Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.